Welcome to Conversations. I'm your host, Doug Dewan, and joining me this segment is David Shank, former director of ethics program at Medical University of South Carolina and author of the book, Into the Field of Suffering, Finding the Other Side of Burnout. Join us as we look at issues that affect us here at home in our community and across the nation. Today, we'll talk about caregiver burnout. David, first of all, thank you so much for joining us to have this conversation. Great to be here, Doug. Appreciate the invitation. Of course. I mean, Personally, uh, as we were talking about before we started the interview, I do think that the info you have can help all of us dealing with burnout, depletion. Um, but for the sake of this conversation, we'll keep it mostly to caregiving. Now, as a leader on ethics and healthcare and a longtime hospice volunteer, can you talk to me about what that kind of work entails and how it can cause burnout? So if you remember uh being a kid and going to visit somebody who was sick, might have been your you know, grandmother, parent, good friend. And there was always something about walking into the the sick room, uh, a little bit of anxiety. What am I going to see? What's it going to look like? What's it going to smell like? And that's the early on experience of entering uh, what I would call the field of suffering. And this experience continues on through our adulthood. And so one of the challenges, the initial challenger a caregiver faces is moving into a space where human life has been disrupted or unbalanced and trying to hold steady there and bring a healing presence, bring something new there. So you're heading into a territory that is that has been disrupted, that may be disrupting or difficult for you, and you're seeing it with your eyes and you're feeling it uh, with your body. Now, the additional part is emotional and this applies both to work in the healthcare setting and also especially to caregivers at home and so in addition to the caregiving activities that you're engaged in you're you know trying to do this and that and the other that will help the patient be comfortable you're doing what uh, we call emotional labor in the hospital where uh, we're talking about nurses uh, really holding families together and doing the work of families with their patients. And then it's physically exhausting. So caregiving is challenging on just about every level of our uh, human being. Now, would you say that uh, burnout is common in caregiving? And then uh, if if so, how does how does somebody recognize that they're they're starting to experience that? One of the things that we are trying to do in the book is reframe the word burnout in a couple of different ways. The way, the good thing about using the word burnout is it recognizes the amount of stress and the type of stress on our caregivers and on our healthcare providers. The bad thing about it tends to be that it tends to be judgmental. You know, David Shank, Dr. Shank burned out, which suggests uh, I didn't really know how to relate to my patients. I got too emotionally involved. Uh, I didn't have the stamina or the toughness, and therefore I burned out. Um, I wasn't paying enough attention. So one thing I want to do with the book is remove the onus and the judgment from burnout. How do we do this? One way is to talk about a lead up, and you were just mentioning this, which we call in the book depletion. There's a long period of getting tired and tired 
getting more and more discouraged. And so one important way of not getting to the end of the line, which is I call, which I call burnout, is to pay attention to what's happening to you. Pay attention to physical things. You know, you sleep, you get what you think is a good night's sleep, and you're exhausted. Things that used to excite you at work are now either exhausting or tedious and boring. People that you look forward to working with uh, when you got there in the morning are now annoying. So trying to be aware of things like that. And another thing to do is to look carefully at your colleagues and your patients, because you will see in their eyes and in their faces what's going on. They'll be looking at you with concern. They'll be disappointed. And sometimes in the case of patients, they'll have hurt feelings because you aren't coming through in the way that you used to come through. Another thing we try to do in the book is to say a healing vocation or a caregiving process takes you through a number of phases. And depletion and burnout uh, and that process is simply part of what happens. You know, we get called to do caregiving, we get some training, we do pretty well, and then we get stretched beyond what we can do. And that's a period of depletion. And then we have to regroup and get some new resources. But that process of getting depleted and regrouping is just a normal part of growing into the vocation. And so to label that as burnout and failure, I think really prevents growth. Now, in the caregiving field, would you say it's because people feel more responsible for someone else's health? Like you're responsible for trying to help another person with their health journey, um, and then you kind of put your own on the back burner? And if so, how does one kind of take more time for themselves? One critical factor is uncertainty. So you are there with a person, and whether this is a parent that you're taking care of at home or um, a patient in an intensive care unit, perhaps pediatric, uh, perhaps a medical ICU or a neurological ICU. And so you were there in the case of a healthcare setting, you've trained, you've worked hard to have the skills, but every patient is different and you never know which way it's going to go. And so you are in tension with the part of you that wants to be helpful and the part of you that is uh, concerned that things may go in a different way. There's a tension about the uncertainty. And so I think that that's one of the things. But what you mentioned is also something which is, oh, I don't feel very good today. I'm awful tired, but I'm standing at the bedside with a person who may be uh, at a cusp of turning towards life or turning towards death. And so you know, it's pretty easy to say, okay, forget it. I'm uh, I'm going to forget whatever's going on with me because I need to deal with Ms. Smith right here. And often it is the very best practitioners who get the most depleted in that way, the ones who are most compassionate and, and most want to stay with their patients. And so something you have to learn is the limit of your capacity and the limit of your resources. But I think, unfortunately, the main way that people learn that is running past it and then saying, oh, yeah, I've gone too far this time, and then trying to learn uh, how to handle that differently. Then let me ask you, 
how do we reduce this depletion, this burnout? Are there things that we can do daily or is it just like occasionally making sure to take time for yourself? I think it's essential to do things daily. In fact, I think it's essential to do things really in the process of your working. I think if we wait until we get home or wait until the weekend to deal with our stress, uh, we're missing a huge opportunity. And finally, it's not going to be very effective. So what do I mean? I mean, for example, that there's a centering and exercise that I learned from a teacher of mine, Brew Joy, and he called it pause, center, shift. And it can be done anywhere and almost any time. So you're standing beside um, patient's bed. This could be at home, could be in the hospital, and you're feeling overwhelmed. You're feeling off, off balance. If you take a half a step back, or if you're sitting in a chair, just slide back a little bit, straighten your spine, get your feet planted firmly on the floor, take a couple of belly breaths. So breathe out and then let the breath come into your belly. And then be aware of how you are upset and the part of you that's upset. And remember, I am the son. I know how to do this. I am the nurse. I am the doctor. And shift out of the part of you that's feeling overwhelmed to the part that is competent and present. And like I say, you can do this uh, at any time. It doesn't take long. You can do it in 10 seconds, although it's better to take um, 30 or so. That's one example of something that you can do during your workday. A second thing is I encourage people to look at their physical space. Are there things about the physical space where you work that are stressful, that make your day more difficult? It may be that uh, there's a part of the intensive care unit where doctors like to have conversations, but it's a lot of traffic there or it feels crowded and uncomfortable to you. Uh, it may be the way that your intensive care unit is uh, developed. Uh, it may be uh, the way your office is arranged. So I encourage people to look at the physical setting of their workplace. And those are the kinds of things that, that I suggest, because if you wait, uh, until the day is over, then it's already in your body and it's already moving. One other thing that I suggest to people is the nature of your interactions with the person you're caring for is really very important. And it's a way of dealing with your stress. That is, if you are a physician and you are in an interaction with the patient and you are impatient and frustrated and in a hurry, you're going to generate tension in the room. Patient's not going to be happy. And you're going to carry that in your body. That leads to burnout. So there's some self-interest actually in being good to the patient and working with your colleagues. The more positive relationships you have, the better chance you're uh, going to have in dealing with depletion and moral stress and avoiding uh, burnout. Is there anything you know, kind of like a, a, a final word on on uh, depletion and burnout that you would like to say to people that may be experiencing this right now? I like to talk about the positive aspects of caregiving because I think 
focusing on those and being open to those is one of the critical ways to avoid uh, burnout. So what do I mean by that? There really is a unique opportunity to have a particular kind of human relationship. You are open to grief of a special kind, but also joy of a special kind. There are openings for, in family settings, forgiveness and reconciliation. Caregiving involves, almost by its very nature, thank you for the relationship, thank you for the body, for the process of healing. Caregiving often slows us down. We aren't moving at the pace that we usually move. And many times this allows us to see things and to feel things that we normally might not do because we're in a hurry, we're moving at our usual daily pace. And finally, caregiving gives us the opportunity to experience the miracle that occurs when suffering meets compassion, when those two special human experiences come together and are brought together. And so if you're open to this as you're caregiving, you know it's a possibility, then you have you carry with you a whole different energetic and the potential to continue to grow in your work. Well, I really appreciate the time you've spent as a person who has often depleted himself uh, as much as possible, not in the field of caregiving. So, I mean, the stressors are a little bit different, but I still think that the advice is is applicable. Uh, I really appreciate your time. Thanks, Doug. It's been great. Yeah. And thank you for listening. Conversations is a public affairs program of this station.